Courageous is a word that describes America's veterans. Sadly, another word we can use is homeless. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street. You can help. Donate at CardboardToHeadboard.org. Hello, Fangirl Nation, and welcome to another episode of Fangirl Sports Network's Fangirl Playbook. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, joined as always by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll. We are back with a World Series preview, NFL hot takes, and Dylan's last days of summer. I am very excited about the Dodgers, while Steph will be rooting on the Rays. We take a look at NFL Week 7, and I have a June, not August take on the Steelers. Then we're off to Dylan for the start of Season 2 of Friday Night Lights and the last days of summer. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and make sure to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Steph, as you know, I am coming to you from the road. I am currently in Dallas, Texas. I am here for games one and two, which I know are actually in Arlington, Texas, before anybody comments and says uh, the games are in Arlington. You should probably check your tickets. Uh, I, I am staying in Dallas, though, and I am so excited because the Dodgers are going to the World Series. Last week when we talked and we had Chris Biederman on, the Dodgers were down t- uh, one nothing by the time we Mm -hmm. talked by the end of that day they were down to nothing then of course (laughs) Wednesday they hit 176 home runs it's not true but they had a lot of runs they lost the next game and then they battled back games five six and seven and Steph I was shocked mainly because what I thought was going to happen was that they were going to battle back to game seven and then just to take a dagger and put it in the hearts of Dodgers fans, they were then going to lose. So that's what I was convinced was going to happen. But no, they battled back and uh, the Dodgers are playing the Tampa Bay Rays in the World Series, who also had an exciting you know, yeah. series of their own against the Astros, who battled back down from 3-0. But the Rays were the champions in that one, which of course ended the Tracy Slander 2020 campaign against those <laughs> cheating Astros. But I will never forget, my friends. I will never, ever forget. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. I have I owe you that. Thank I mean, you. You know my feelings on the Dodgers, but you know, and I we chatted a little bit before this, but you know, they were the better team, obviously. And I'm glad that they pulled that out. Um I, you know, I'm always going to root against them, but I, it was close because if the Astros had won, I was going to root for the Dodgers, which would have been the first time in human history of me, my as a human. Right. <laughs> well, and I wonder if that would have been the case for other Giants fans, or if they just would have not rooted for anybody. I don't know. It's hard to tell. I think. I think because what I kind of put out there into the Twitterverse is that. Some were like, no way. And some were like, you know, the Do- I mean, that's how bad it is. You know, that it was the Astros or the Dodgers. And it was just like, oh, that's like the worst scenario. So I am a little happy for that reason. So I can root for the Rays. Sorry. That's but okay. um, yeah, so I'm a bandwagon Tampa Bay <laughs> Rays fan. It's totally fine. But, it's totally fine. But, you know, the Dodgers are... They're a good team. They're a strong team. They deserved that. And I'm glad they're going to the World Series. And that's as, about as nice as I can get. <laughs> I think I think that's totally fair. Uh, and, and it's interesting. A few people have asked me, including you, did I want the Dodgers to play the Astros? I mean, my first response was like, I just want the Dodgers in the World Series. So mm-hmm. whoever they play, I don't really care. Uh, I think obviously the Astros, it would have been quite the 
you know, storyline and the rematch. Sure. But I also think it would be bad for baseball if the Astros were in the World Series because then you have a team in the World Series that probably shouldn't have been allowed, not probably, shouldn't have been allowed to be in the playoffs. Anyways, uh, so I think it kind of would have been bad for baseball and this – I think this is better. And you have two very different teams. You have a Tampa Bay team yeah. whose salary cap, as we talked about last week, is quite low compared Any? to, or not, maybe not salary <laughs> cap, but their salary, yes, is quite yeah. small no compared cap. to the um, to the Dodgers. Uh, so this, I think, is going to be a really fun series. Randy Arozarena is, even oh, as a Dodgers fan, I could say he's fun to watch. Like his ability to hit home runs and hit them very far, uh, is just amazing. <laughs> and I think you have a really good Tampa Bay team and, you know, on the Dodger side of it, obviously I was super excited that, uh, my fave Cody Bellinger hit that game winning home run. I think Mookie Betts defensive prowess is just wow. unbelievable. Um, yeah, I would say Randy Arozarena should probably not hit anything in his direction unless he is going <laughs> to hit it real far out of the park. Uh, so I think this is going to be a lot of fun. You're going to see good pitching. You're going to see good offense. Uh, so we'll see. I will be here for games one and two, uh, and then I go back home. But I'm really, really, really excited to be here. You guys, like, I cried. I'm going to be – I mean, not that that's going to be shocking <laughs> to anyone at all, but uh, – it out. I cried. I was so excited. And I found out last week that I was going to have the opportunity to go should they win, which also made me think they were for sure going to lose. So, um, but I didn't say that to really anybody because I didn't want to jinx it. But I figured, well, now Mm -hmm. that I've given the opportunity to go, they're for sure going to lose. But they didn't. So here we are. And we're coming to you from Texas. And we'll see. And by next Tuesday, no, we'll see. It depends how long the series go. We may or may not have a World Series champion. It's funny because we had all right. these sports going on at the same time, and now week by week, we lose a sport. Yep. <laughs> but then we'll focus more on football. But like, it's it's exciting to have baseball back, and you know, it did give me a chance to like, okay, who are these kids? You know, mm-hmm. to watch Tampa Bay, and it, you know, it's been fun. It was a, it's been a good. Um, I enjoyed the playoffs. I I I thought it was fun. Do you have a series prediction? I, I feel like the Dodgers should win on paper, but I do feel like the Tampa Bay Rays are have hot bats. So I think it's going to be a really good series. I hope it goes to seven. Um, I'm obviously rooting for Tampa Bay, but, you know, it's not going to kill me if the Dodgers win. I mean, finally, they have to win, you know, and I felt so, so bad for um, Clayton Kershaw. Well, and I, you know what, I would like, as long as you bring that up, I'm going to go ahead and talk about that for a moment. I think in Clayton Kershaw's defense, well, as you know, because we talked about it on Twitter, and of course, I totally am going to fangirl and defend my pitcher. But I also think it is kind of an interesting thing, and, pe- and someone, other people have talked about this on Twitter, so this is not like an original thought by any means. But it's, you know, one of the knocks on Dave Roberts is, of course, yeah. the mismanaging of pitching. And I actually, that's what you're say. Yeah, probably I know a knock on Dave Roberts. And so, the, you know, it was interesting. The other night, he took Walker Bueller out, uh, I believe, after this. Sixth, I want to say it was after the six, and it was, and it was one of those things where I was like, "Here we go again," um, and it ended up working out. The Dodgers won the game. The bullpen, you know, almost totally messed it up, but total, but uh, but did in fact stepped up and and they won the game. But someone had tweeted, I think it was actually Molly Knight from the Athletic. It was she said, 
you know, Bueller was tiring. I don't have a problem with him taking him out. What I don't understand, the bigger question is, why is Clayton Kershaw always left on the hill to die? And I think in that game, you had a situation where in in that game on Thursday, I want to say it was game four, at the end of the fifth inning, it was clear he didn't have his best stuff anymore. And let's not forget, two days earlier, he was scratched from back spasms that he'd been having since, like, I think since the previous Saturday, they knew there was a chance that was going to happen. So he didn't have his best stuff. So why are you putting him in a position? Like, why wasn't he pulled at that point? He'd given five decent innings. I think at that point, he'd only given up three runs. Yes, that fourth run ended up being charged to him. But, like, like, why do you not pull him and give the team a chance knowing that that offense should be able to score more than three runs. So that is my thing. Cause I actually think Clayton pitched a decent game, especially considering, yeah. yeah, it wasn't horrible considering, you know, the back spasms, he clearly didn't have his best stuff. And so that's my thing with Kershaw on that. And I think he did it to him last year in the NLDS as well. He brought him in as a reliever. He pitched Which a is great. Weird. Cause it's weird, not but, even his game. Like, it, yeah. but, but he actually, Brought him in as reliever because it was game five and, you know, that was a best of five series and it was like, you know, you're pulling out all the stops. So he brings him in in game five. He does what he needs him to do. He should have pulled him at that point. Then he leaves because he's not a reliever. He leaves right. him in there. Like He got, I think, two out. Like it was a big inning. It was like So I, that's like my bigger question. So I felt really bad for Clayton Kershaw too because I feel like he's going to have this knock on him though I did notice at least on the Twitters that a lot of people maybe didn't feel exactly yeah, the same as obvious. I did but also didn't totally put it on Clayton he is the game one starter uh the other night in game seven I was shocked that Roberts kept Arias in all three innings and then I thought about it and I was like oh he's keeping him all three innings because he needs Clayton for Tuesday he needs him to start the World uh... Series and I think he okay, felt like well, that makes sense. That, I mean, that's I, I don't have any like confirmation of that. That was just my <laughs> feeling. And so because after right. the eighth, I was like, I hope he leaves him in. I hope he doesn't Dave Roberts this. And then and then I was like, he's going to leave him in because I think he knows he can get he needs three outs. It's what he needs. They're ahead right. and they're the home team. He's going to let him at least pitch to one batter because in an ideal world, he saves Kershaw for uh, game one starter. Yeah, it was, he was letting, there was a lot of like questionable things that Roberts did, I felt like it wasn't all, all the stuff you brought up, but also like letting, you know, if you're going to get three shots at Clayton Kershaw, you're going to start hitting and I just think he leaves him in too long sometimes too, even when he has a great game and it's like, dude, that's his man, you know, so you have to be able to, you know, run your bullpen, know who can do what and I felt like it was that those some of those losses were directly on Robert's shoulders, in my opinion. So I would say I bad. many of those losses are directly on Robert's shoulders. <laughs> and I would say going I, back a while. Yeah, I feel like if he if he does not win the World Series, I think he's gone. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I, I don't know. We will. We will see. Hopefully they win and then it's, I'm willing for it not to be an issue, but and then it'll be a moot point, a moot point uh, <laughs> until next season when he does it again. And then we start talking about it all over again, but um, it, it is really interesting. And you know, I gave him a lot of flack after 2017 and then felt bad about it because of those aforementioned <laughs> cheating Astros. Uh, but he still has made those mistakes over and over and over again. So I mean, maybe we he shall can see. explain them. 
but I just, you know, after this is all said and done, but it's just, you know, those were to me like some glaring mistakes, you know, that you don't expect to see at this juncture. And then I, I'm interested to see, of course, how it goes tonight because you have Kershaw in game one. He's going to leave him out there because he's got seven games ahead of him. So he can't, like, he can't, you know, he's got to plan well, even though I think he tends to mismanage bullpen sometimes. And I would like to say I would not manage the bullpen any better. I'm not saying, like, that I know better than Dave Roberts. It just feels from where I'm sitting that this happens a lot. But this is a World Series for him to redeem himself. And uh, I think. I think the Dodgers should win. I'm going Dodgers in six. That's kind of my prediction. Uh, So I don't think it's going to be easy by any means. I think Tampa Bay is a really good team. Um, I believe Barstool tweeted something yesterday, something about Tom Brady being a witch because he's gone to, he goes to the city and like the lightning won the Stanley cup, the razor in the world series. And meanwhile, it's a terrible time to be a Boston sports fan. Um, As Red Sox fans are watching Mookie Betts every day being like, how, how did, how, how, why, how, why? Um, But, you know, I I sure am happy about it because Mookie's amazing. Uh, So uh, we'll see. This should be a very fun series and uh, we'll see who comes out on top. You do have two very good offenses here, which you had in that Brave series as well. So, um, and the Braves, you know, it's funny in, I tweeted last week that in 1996, the Atlanta Braves went up 2 nothing on the New York Yankees on the road in the World Series and then proceeded to lose the next four games and the series, mm-hmm. which at the time was devastating to me. And then this season, I was holding on to that with as hope. And it's interesting that the Braves have a history of this. And I think it's just kind of funny when you look at organizations, you know, tw- I mean, since then you've had like, you know, well over 20 years that have passed, but the Braves haven't even been in the NL or hadn't been to a world series since 1999. Haven't been to the NLCS in 2001. It It has, it's been that long and they hadn't been, I think to the NLCS since 2001. And it's just funny, like as an organization, like why does this happen to organizations? Like we're, you have none of the same players, you know, you don't have Uh the same manager, you know, Bobby Cox was another one that people felt a lot mismanaged pitching. And I always felt that Cox who was, an incredible manager. He just really trusted his pitchers and he'd go out there and say, you know, and they'd be like, no, no, I'm still good. I got it. And then like next, you know, next pitch, grand slam, grave game three world series, poor Steve Avery. But anyways, I digress. So it's just interesting in an organization, how that happens, you know, it's just kind of funny. And obviously I guess what has that to do with the other, just kind of amazing that it's happened to this organization so much. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I mean, it's baseball, I, but it's uh, obviously that's not like super, <laughs> but it's, but it's a difficult sort. You know, I think baseball is one of those sports that in theory to a casual fan, you hit the ball, you pitch the ball, you catch right. the ball, like that's baseball. But there is so much strategy and so much that goes into oh it and managing a bull- bullpen and managing hitters and all right, this pitcher's coming out. So do I now need a pinch hitter? Like all of it. And if I take this guy out, what do I lose on defense? But I, is it more important that I get these other guy at the bat? I mean, there's a lot, you know, that goes into these decisions. And I think it, it kind of goes back to a little bit, I think of the baseball pain that we've talked about on the last couple of podcasts and that normally in a very long season, it's right. painful to get that far and then lose. And that's why it feels like baseball pain is the worst. But the other thing we've discussed is how it all can change on one pitch. And in theory, you could make all the right decisions and the pitcher throws one bad pitch and a hitter 
capitalize it and it's over. And that's not really anyone's fault. It's just kind of a weird sport that way. Yeah. I mean, I, I compared it a lot, especially in 2020, that it's like baseball is a marathon. So, mm-hmm. and you, and, but this season's so different because it's like a sprint. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to like, that's its own thing, you know? So I understand the idea of, you know, not having the pitchers hit and all that kind of stuff. I get it for this, this, this season, but that's like the stuff that I love about baseball is the, you know, the nuance and how you can take somebody out and you can pitch against a batter and, you know, have these duels. And to me, I, I'm an, I'm an NL fan. So obviously that's something that, you know, I like, but, um, you know, it's been, I, I have to say, I'm really impressed with major league baseball, you know, pulling this off and, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I had doubts and, you know, I'm glad that they they did it and gave me something to do. <laughs> I, I am glad too. And then, you know, one other thing I want to talk about with the NLCS that we could move on to football. I think what was interesting about last week too, and we'll never really see this again because you need travel time, but you had the ALCS and NLCS. It was once you start, you're going. And that was true of the playoffs. It was every day there was, once they were in the bubbles, there was no day off. And that I think also really lent itself to the comeback. Because it's different if you can take a day off in between. But now you're planning, like, I don't have a day off for my pitchers. We're we're playing in tomorrow. Um, And I think that that really helped. I still think the Dodgers are the better team. And who knows, in a normal seven-game series, they never maybe even would have needed to go to game seven because they would have had the days off in between. So you just, you could make the argument either either way. But I thought that was cool. Now, with the World Series, there is going to be, you know, a day off. Uh, so it'll be kind of a little bit more like we're used to, but I think in a seven game series, back to back to back to back to back to back, anything can happen. And that mm-hmm. was, um, that was pretty cool. So, um, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's good stuff. So that starts tonight. You guys know that this fan girl is so excited. Uh, I'll have my lucky Mookie shirt on. And so they uh, have been doing well in that shirt. So I'm going to have that on unless they lose tonight, in which case I'll change shirts tomorrow. Oh, good. And- so the shirt worked. <laughs> the shirt worked. It had one bad day. It had game <laughs> one of the NLCS, but I felt that it probably wasn't entirely on the shirt. I'm just going to go ahead and go on a limb there. <laughs> that game was kind of a disaster, but it worked um, for the rest of the games that it's been a part of. I, you know, so. I, I you're making me smile just by how happy you are. And that's what I love about sports. Even though I don't dig the team at all, but I'm excited for you. Like I get it. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's great. So I'm really happy for you. It's making me smile. I'm so happy. And they, the Dodgers won while we were starting our zoom press conferences after the Sunday night football game. (laughs) And so it was, I was like, I want to cry with happiness, but I'm going to wait till later because I can't cry on a zoom press conference call. That's just very inappropriate. Um, and I am a professional. So, uh, but what a night Sunday night was. So let's, let's get into football. I mean, Sunday night for me personally was a pretty awesome night. The Niners yeah. won a very big, uh-huh. important game. They are not dead yet, my friends. And the Dodgers went to the world series. So we are going to talk a little bit of football. We had week six behind us. I can't believe we're already in week seven Steph. I mean, I really can't. It's like amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's been great, though. I mean, it's been pretty good. 
It has. And I have so. to say, I know that the reason we're getting rescheduled games in two on a Monday is, of course, because of COVID. But I love the two Monday games. Uh, I feel mm. like we should keep that and scrap Thursday, which obviously no one's going to listen to me on that. But I still think that would be cool because it's been just been kind of fun. But let's start with the most recent Monday night game last night. Uh, and then we can kind of look ahead. We had, or the most recent past, I guess, but it was the Cowboys and the Cardinals, though one could make the argument that the Cowboys never really showed up. So it was just the Cardinals playing <laughs> guys running down a field. Um, Cause I mean, it's just such a disaster. Of course the Cowboys are without Dak Prescott. And if there was ever a endorsement for how much he means to this team, I think yeah. it was on full display for everyone to see in Monday night football or on Monday night football, the Cardinals looked yeah. great. And I think the Cardinals are a great team. We've talked about it before. I think Kyler Murray is, I just think such a talent and is going to go on to be one of the great quarterbacks in this league, in my opinion, but boy, those Cowboys look bad, but still, I believe are still uh, leading the NFC East, <laughs> which is hilarious. I, I hope, I don't know if it will, but I really, really hope that the Dak Prescott, you know, stuff that he's not the the QB of the future for Dallas will end. I would um, hope so. But, you know, you never know. I mean, maybe after this, like, he's ready to move on. I, I, but I don't know what's going to happen there, but I just – he's he's so much better than what he gets credit for. And I, I just – think that it's evident especially when you see it now you know when you're you know it's kind of like mm -hmm. the Jimmy G thing like mm -hmm. you don't know what you have until it's gone it's true it's very true <laughs> that's I think that's very so, true and I hope that Jerry Jones was watching that game thinking boy I really have screwed this up and I need to fix it because <laughs> and, and maybe he, he will want to move on I mean I think I look at this Dallas team and I have felt this last couple of years and feel like Dak deserves better I mean he deserves to be on a good team um the defense is for lack of a better term it's a joke it's just a complete it's just bad. It yeah. bad it's a total joke and you know you got Ezekiel Elliott fumbling footballs left and right which should not yeah. happen um, and I, you know, it's just, it's not okay. So we'll see what happens there. This NFC East. I mean, obviously we've talked about it before. Something has to be done because this is ridiculous that yeah. they are currently still in the league. There I mean, a new crazy. role. I'm, I'm like, I want to like write a letter. <laughs> oh my God. You should, I would love to see you write a letter to the NFL <laughs> about the NFC East. It's just so good. I want to write a strongly worded letter. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That if you do not win at least eight games, you should they forfeit their spot, and then I should be able to pick. <laughs> no. Yeah, you. you are. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, there's the next person you know, or the next team with the best record should go. That's how I feel because 100%. I just think that is ridiculous. Like, you have to at least win eight games, otherwise, it's just nonsense and then you have these other you know conferences just battling these you know these games you know and they're getting hurt and just battling and they're so good and they should realistically both make the playoffs so it just bugs me well and it remember last last season and this is I think what happened to the Seahawks but when you win the Niners mm -hmm. if they hadn't won the NFC West and they were one Dre Greenlaw stop away from not winning the NFC West and right. they would have had they would have, I like finished what twelve and four, and then they would have had to go to Philadelphia for a playoff game. 
which right. is so ridiculous. Um, and I think that is what the C. I can't remember how it all worked. Like now, they last did. year, yeah, it was like have to go. Yeah. yeah. So the, I mean, it was so it feels so feels like it was twenty seven years ago. But yeah. it's just it's so that's just ridiculous. But if we're gonna talk conferences where they're battling. And since we were just speaking of the Cardinals, let's take a look. We have this weekend's game, the Cardinals and the Seahawks. This should be actually a really, really fun football game to watch. I mean, you got Russell Wilson and everyone knows how much it pains both Steph and I to say it, but he is so fun to watch and so incredible against Kyler Murray. And I just think this is going to be a pretty cool football game. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I come a long way with my, um, my opinion of Russell Wilson. <laughs> I'm progressing, you know, but yeah, he's a great, I mean, to me, it's just obviously he's, um, he's still my MVP this year. Um, yeah. I just think that he, he just falls. And the thing is that makes him the MVP in my eyes is he puts the whole team on his back and goes and wins it. And, that to me is just like I, there's only a few quarterbacks that can do stuff like that, and he is one. And so uh, that's what you know. I think, but you know, Kyler can be a little sneaky like that. He's slippery, and we'll see. But they're not their defenses seem like they have some holes. So it'll be a fun game. I'm I don't even care who wins or loses. <laughs> I'm just yeah. I'll be happy either way. I agree with you, and it's because of both those defensive having defenses having holes that I think it's going to be so fun though uh i'm sure buddha baker is going to be on his a game and yeah, he was uh, good he was good i mean he took andy dalton down last night there was that one sack where i was uh -oh. like oh man i Ow. can hear that from here granted i was in dallas so i was only like 30 minutes away <laughs> so felt like i could hear it and feel it from where i was uh so this one should be should be a really good game in the afc we have the steelers and the titans which are two top uh, afc teams right now the mm -hmm. titans uh, of course just look great uh turns out they will not be getting any major punishment for breaking protocols uh, so they've got Funny. we've got this is the rescheduled titans steelers game from a couple of right. weeks ago uh but i think we're going to have another really really solid game. You have two very complete teams. This one should be really fun. I don't know who to pick um, except, I don't know, there is something about the Steelers that I think the Steelers have it this season. Yeah. I think they're going to go a long way and they're they're the team that I think are going to, they're the dark horse that nobody's really looking at, but I think they could go a long way this season. They're a great team. I would not be the least bit surprised if we end up with a Steelers-Chiefs uh, AFC championship game. Awesome. And I think it would be, you know, incredibly awesome. And uh, I also wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers win said AFC championship yeah. game. So you guys, it's a bit of a, a hot take in week seven. I don't know if it's a hot take. Is it a warm take? Maybe warm. it's a hot take. Maybe it warms. Maybe it's a warm. <laughs> it's a warmish take. You know, it's like a... It's like a June take, but not an August take. Right. <laughs> People call it that. <laughs> so, but I, I would not be surprised. There is something about this Steelers team that just seems pretty good to me. And the Chiefs are incredible. But I think, as any team is, they are beatable. And mm -hmm. you talk about matchups a lot. And so we'll see if it happens. We've got a while to go from yeah. that. So we can, if it happens, we can preview it in much more depth. But there is something about the Steelers team. Gotta get, yeah, get through the season. But it's, you know, it's good to see them, you know, especially with Ben out last year. 
So it's good to see that they finally have it. I think there's a lot of teams that are clicking, you know, finally getting the vision together. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been good football and some bad football. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad, definitely some bad football, but also some good football. Uh, we have the Bears and the Rams this week, a uh, Monday night football. Uh, we saw, obviously, the 49ers beat the Rams the other night. We'll yeah. talk about that briefly. The 49ers played really well. I believe it was I on this podcast last week who said I felt the 49ers were going to win. I don't want to. You did too. too. <laughs> you did too, because there was two of us. I can't remember what Chris said. Um, he said he didn't know if it was this week or next week. But he yes, was, they were going to okay. have to start playing well together uh, eventually. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that is what he said. Uh, it's so good that you're here, Steph, to help me out. With these <laughs> um, so I, they did. They did play very well. Uh, they played well on really all sides of the ball. Uh, the offensive line stepped up quite a bit. And Kyle Shanahan yesterday he said he does feel that the os- offensive line had gotten a bit of a bad rap in the last few weeks, but they certainly Aww. stepped up on Sunday night. The defense played well. What a difference your corners make, huh? Having yeah. Emmanuel Mosley and Jason Verrett out there. And let's take a moment to talk about Jason Verrett and how he's having such an incredible season. So happy for him. A guy who has battled so many injuries. Yeah. And he really is shown this season that when he's healthy, he is a top corner. Like he really is an incredible uh, corner in this league. So it's been good. But so that's made a huge difference, obviously, having them in the secondary. So 49ers, not dead yet, uh, but they go to New England this weekend to play the Patriots, uh, which has, of course, the Jimmy G going back to New England storyline. But as a general game, this one's an interesting way. The Patriots are an interesting team. Some weeks they Mm -hmm. look great, some not so much. You know, I I heard an argument last week. Well, they didn't really get to practice because of – um, oh, COVID and the shut did the shutdowns. That being said, neither did the Titans and they just kicked uh yeah. butt last week. So, you know, they're an interesting team and it just depends kind of which Pat show up and talk about matchups. This could end up yeah. actually being a really good game. And it's a pretty important game for both teams because the Niners sit at three and three, um, which is last in their division and they have a rough stretch. So you have the, Patriots, and then they have the Seahawks, then they have the Packers, uh, and then they have the Saints. So that should be interesting. And we'll see in these next several weeks. I still think the Packers, as you know, they certainly got their uh, heads handed to them by the Buccaneers this past weekend. I still think the Packers may not be as good a team as maybe their record indicates, much like last year, but we'll see. The Saints are certainly not what they were, but I would say this is a big road game for San Francisco and a very important game for new England, like both teams, you know, really need to win this one. So Belichick said yesterday on the conference call that he was very happy for how it's worked out for Garoppolo and he hopes it continues to work out just not this week, which, you know, fair. Um, so (laughs) we'll see, but I don't, what do you think, Steph? What do you, what do you think we're going to see on Sunday? I think the 49ers are going to win. And I and I know that maybe I'm a little homerish right now, but I just feel like they've kind of got out of what they do. And then with Jimmy G hurt, I mean, they're they're torn up in a lot of more ways than one. But like just especially Jimmy G, if he can just like get the ball out and do his game and we can run the ball. I say we like as if I'm like the one like carrying I the ball. I can't to see you out there, Steph. I, I think your debut is going to be epic. I'm going to tackle everybody. <laughs> everybody. 
<laughs> no, um, but like I feel like they if they play their game, they have an advantage because they have that really, really strong elite system. But when they get knocked out of their game or their game plan goes to crap because they get behind, you know, 14 points, you know, it's just they're already playing from behind. And that's not what the 49ers do. And that's not what they do well. So I think that they need to get back to their game. I think they need to concentrate on those things. And and they're getting people back. They're getting people healthy. Um, The wide receivers looked great. Debo, I mean, holy cow. So I just think that all of those things and Kittle back, I mean, all of those things matter. So slowly, if they can just keep pulling out these wins, I think all of those, the next five games, albeit tough, I think they're all winnable. So- We'll see. They are winnable. The The wrinkle in that, of course, is that Raheem Moster and Ben Garland are probably both going on IR this week. Shanahan yesterday, said yesterday they are most likely going. With Raheem Moster out of the game Sunday night, we saw how different the 49ers offense becomes, and it does change what they can do. And we also saw without Ben Garland at center – it was a little bit uh, rough at times for the 49ers <laughs> very yeah, very early in the season. So, you know, that those those are, I think, the big wrinkles in that. So, uh, you know, it remains to be seen. Jamichael Hasty certainly looked pretty good, and he looked impressive. But, you know, Raheem Mostert still Raheem Mostert. So we'll, right. we'll see how that goes on Sunday. And so I think that's the only wrinkle in it um, in terms of 49ers really being able to get back to doing what they do best. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Monday Night Football, we got the Bears and the Rams. So how about the Dem Bears, um, who are actually <laughs> – Turning out to be a pretty good football team. Of course, they are the Bears, so it remains to be seen if they will keep this up or if they will full-on bear. But Nick Foles, under center, has been a good move. They have not Mm -hmm. been doing this back-and-forth platooning thing that we all kind of made fun of them thinking they would do throughout the season. (laughs) Uh, It seems to be Nick Foles' team right now. But this is a pretty good game. The Rams will be coming off the loss. Uh, The Bears will have be on national television to prove that they – Really are. I mean, they certainly look more like the Bears of a couple of years ago, but yeah. remains to be seen. I- I'm going to give the advantage to the Bears on this one. I do think the Bears oh. are a better team. Uh, but of course, with the Rams and Aaron Donald, one never knows. Though, you know, the Niners did no sacks on Sunday to crazy. the Rams team that was coming in with the lead leading, league leading 20 sacks. So, you know, we, sh- we shall see, but I'm going to give this win to the Bears. I do think the Bears are the better team. And when we talk about matchups, I do think they match up well against the Rams. So we'll see. We will see how this goes. And I think the Rams, an- another team whose record maybe isn't indicative of how good the team is just yet. Yeah, so. I think the Rams are good. I don't think they played well against the 49ers, but I think they're good. It's just... Like I said, you know, every every game is different, and it's who. But they've struggled. They've won. They've won games this season before, obviously. But they've struggled in games too, which happens. I'm just curious. I think this is actually. I think this past game. I think this Monday's game is going to be a really good test for the Rams. I do think the Four Niners just happened to play really, really well on Sunday night. and that was a winnable game, which they won. But I think the Bears are going to be. I think this is actually going to be a really good test for both teams. So yeah, I think it's, let's go. <laughs> let's let's go. And then this game is just kind of 
not super interesting, interesting, but a little bit. You got the Buccaneers and the Raiders. And the reason I bring it up is because we obviously saw after a Buccaneers team that struggled mightily the week before they, as I said earlier, just kind of manhandled the Packers. The Raiders are coming off that win last week because I believe they had a bye this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um over the Chiefs. So I think here are two teams that week by week are a little bit going to have to prove themselves. And so I, I just think this is kind of an interesting matchup to watch and uh, to see how it goes and kind of which which Tom Brady do we get on Sunday. That obviously makes a big difference as well. Right. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm actually looking forward to that one. I've been watching the Raiders a lot, though, because of my stupid fantasy. And that's probably <laughs> why. But and I don't want to talk about it because nobody cares. But I, I care. just think. <laughs> but I think that the Raiders are good. And it's hard for me to like, I think I like the way they play. And I think that they're kind of coming back with that hard nosed football. And, you know, it's working. And I and it's I like that. I like when it works. So I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them too. And I, I want John Gruden to be successful. I think it's kind of good for the NFL. I think it's fun when he is. So I I want it to work. I want to, you know, see how this all plays out and, you know, it's been a rough start for him. So let's see if this team is in the hunt. I think they'll be in it in January. I don't know how far they're going to go, but I think they'll be in it. And that's going to be pretty fun for, I was going to say Oakland fans, but Las Vegas fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I say that all the time. They're always going to be Oakland to me because they were L.A. And then it was like it took me like 100 years to get Oakland. Oakland. (laughs) And then now it's like now they're Vegas. The Chargers. I mean, constantly the Chargers. Chargers. Yeah. Uh, I do it all the time with them. Uh, So Mm -hmm. so we'll see. Uh, All right. So we are now into season two of Friday Night Lights. Uh, We have the premiere. We did obviously the finale of season one last week. Season two, it's kind of fun to be in Texas talking about Friday Night Lights, Texas football. Uh, but we have the season two premiere. I had forgotten, I said this to you before the pod, how much happens in this first yeah. episode. Um, and this is a season that gets cut short because of the writer's strike at the time. So we only end up, I okay. think it's 15 or 16 episodes in this season. So it's going to end abruptly and you're going to be like, wait, what? And that's why. Uh, yeah. So okay. let's go with uh, where we, we start at the pool, at the Dillon pool, where Julie Taylor is a lifeguard and has a massive crush on the guy that they call the Swede. Uh, and he is another lifeguard at the pool and they're flirting and they have a massive crush. And Matt can see what's happening. She's still with Matt before his very eyes. There is a line that Matt says that really made me laugh because you see Tim Riggins on a floaty with two girls and he calls him captain of the SS Tatas. And I laughed really hard. (laughs) Just really made me laugh. Um, So that was very funny. And uh, Tammy comes to the pool. She is very, very pregnant. When we last left Tammy, she first just found out she's pregnant and it was the end of football season. Actually, as I'm thinking through timing, it doesn't really add up, but it we'll, we'll give it. Unless, yeah. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll let it go. But actually, as I'm thinking about it, it doesn't really add up because this no. is supposed to be like the episode title is like last days of summer. And so right. in theory, she's now been pregnant like 11 months, Seven. but yeah. Yeah, but that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah. she her water breaks in the pool and she is in labor. And as you guys will remember, Coach Taylor has taken a job at TMU. So he she's three days early. So he is on a flight back and he makes it just in the nick of time. 
uh, and their little baby Gracie Bell has been born. But we can see that Julie is really struggling. And yeah. having her dad not there is really, really taking its toll on her. So we can see that really from the outset of the episode, uh, both in her relationship with Matt and just generally. And she's not all that nice to her mom. And that's starting to become a real thing. I mean, Julie, you really see Julie is going through some rough teen years and it's very evident in this episode. So that is what happens there. So also at the pool uh, is Tyra, who's hanging out with Landry, who's still completely in love with her and obsessed with her. And he gets to put sunscreen on her back, which is like, I think the greatest (laughs) thing that's happened to him maybe ever in his life. And I think he would agree with me. And he kind of basically tells Matt as much, but when Tyra goes to her car, there's someone in a car clearly watching her and who kind of chases her down and she gets really freaked out and she, and he, Landry sees the whole thing because he kind of, he chases her down and she narrowly misses him. And she says to Landry, I think that was him. I think that's the guy that attacked me uh, in the parking lot of the fast food place. So that becomes obviously a very big storyline throughout the uh, episode. And then as the season goes on, then we have Lila Garrity who has been baptized and has found Jesus. And she runs into Tim in a parking lot where she's handing out, putting flyers on everyone's cars about kind of a youth group uh, coming together of teenagers who um, have accepted Jesus Christ, I believe is what she says. And she runs into Tim, who's on a very different path. And he's already like drinking in the middle of the day. And he tells her that he just had a three-way with uh, some sisters. So he's really proud of himself. Um, And she... And then he like proceeds to tell her that she's the best he ever had. I think he thinks he's complimenting her, but in the course of the discussion, it does not feel that way. And it comes across, of course, to her as very disrespectful. Um, but you see two very different paths for these two people um, and and what they have going on. And Tim is also really struggling. And I, we don't what we don't really know yet is, is it about the breakup that he had? last year at the end of the season um, with the next door neighbors, or is it just general Tim struggling stuff? I think the other thing that can't be discounted is that they're all kind of struggling without coach Taylor. Uh, They don't have that person in their lives. So we have our new coach of the Dylan Panthers who came from Tennessee and he is, I mean, I think a nice way to put it, he's very different. The coach Taylor is a very different style. Um, And he's a lot, it's not that he's, I think coach Taylor was harder on his players too, but this guy's a little more mean. Is that the right word stuff? I mean, how would you put it? Yeah, he's, well, he's just, he, he doesn't get personal, but he, which the Ta- you know, coach Taylor does, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, there was what we do on the football field, but you know, he wanted to always be the the man on the football field but also off the football field so he was trying to like build that character this guy is just like football this is what you know and so he he really comes down hard real hard on timmy especially when he shows up drunk but like and they're like well you can't treat him like that he needs like a little bit of love he's like that's just not how i roll well he has that conversation with jason so tim leaves practice and says, if you want someone else, here you go. 
Later in the episode, Tim is back and he's running up and down stairs in the heat. Like one of the things they talk about in the very beginning, you have Sammy Smead slamming Sammy Smead on the radio saying that it's like over 100 degrees in Texas and they're in two a days. So it's really hot. He's running up and down the stairs, up and down the stairs. Mac says to the coach, I, I think Mac McGill, I think he's had enough. And the coach is like, no, he hasn't. And then Tim ends up vomiting and then they let it go. But then Jason has a conversation with him and says, I've known Tim Briggins a long time. Uh, He's one of my very close friends and he won't respond to that in the way that you want him to. And the coach says to Jason, you have two choices. You can come to games on Friday nights and basically be a town mascot, or you can be a football coach and you can choose. And it's, it's a really crappy thing to say. And it's like, it's rude. It's mean. It's like, it's cruel. Like it's just, it's ugly. And I think it's indicative of who this coach is. And they certainly had that, you know, like of all says that. And they needed to make this coach a villain because of stuff that's going to happen in future episodes. So they need to make you really not like him, but Mm -hmm. it just, there was a really crappy thing to say earlier in the show. He kicks Buddy Garrity out of practice and Buddy, as you can imagine, does not take kindly to that. Coach Taylor goes to see Buddy. So in the middle of all all this, Coach Taylor goes to the grocery store where he runs into grandma. I thought of you because I know how much you love grandma. She gets so excited to see Coach Taylor and he runs into Matt and he can see Matt is not doing great. And he says, to him, you know, you haven't been around to see Gracie. He said, well, I know, but you know, Julie's lifeguarding. And and he said, how are things with you and Julie? And Matt says, well, what did she say something? <laughs> you know, it was like this whole, like very like typical, like teenage <laughs> conversation. Um, and coach Taylor says to him, don't stand by and just let it happen. Meaning, you know, Julie right. clearly is interested in, in the Swede, um, which is what they refer to him as like the entire show. And, um, but you can see Matt, is struggling, but coach Taylor gets a call from TMU and he has to go back early. He isn't, he's supposed to get two weeks after the baby's born and he has to go back early. So there's a scene where Tammy gets Gracie bell. That's the little girl down to bed. She comes in, he's made her cookies and then he tells her and she's clearly very upset. And then he leaves for a little bit and she just breaks down in tears and you can see the toll it's taking on everybody. I mean, I, I always feel like from a realistic standpoint, it made yeah. zero sense for him to take this job in Austin for either either they take the job, he takes the job in Austin and everyone moves or they all stay in Dillon. But it really didn't from like a realistic sense make sense for them to do it the way they did. From a TV sense, it did because it created a storyline and then there's another storyline that comes out of it. And so there's, but, you know, realistically, but it's definitely taking its toll. So he goes to see Buddy who's also struggling. It reminded me a little bit. I thought of this last night, Steph, and I don't know. Do you ever see the movie? It's a wonderful life. Yes, of course. So it's like my favorite movie. And I was like, this is coach Taylor's. It's a wonderful life. He's coming back to Dylan to see what's happened to everybody when he's not there. (laughs) Buddy, his ex, or soon to be ex-wife comes to, to the car dealership because he was at a soccer practice. He wasn't supposed to be at. And and she's there with her new boyfriend who, so the new, (laughs) So the new boyfriend is like a, he has like a health food store and earlier, oh, I should go back earlier in the episode there at dinner and he's made like tofu and mushrooms. Um, and clearly like he's, he belongs like in California, not in Dillon, Texas. And Lila, who's also acting out in her teenage self a little bit, they say a prayer, uh, grace before the meal. And she makes a comment about how 
please give some people the straight table the strength not to take advantage of a vulnerable woman going through a divorce. Please give other people at this table the strength to know that a mother of three shouldn't wear skinny jeans. So Lila, <laughs> she's got a few. For oh, somebody who was really funny, for somebody who's found Jesus, I don't know that Jesus <laughs> would have agreed with any of those, that she should have said any of those things. But the boyfriend is there and his buddy like loses it and he like tries to attack the boyfriend. Coach Taylor pulls her off. The part I love is when the boyfriend drives away but gives a peace sign because he's still like I'm unfazed by your crazy buddy Garrity. Um, But I did. I feel like it's a little like it's a wonderful life. Like you're Eric Taylor. Here's what would happen. You know, here's what happens when you're not here. So he ends up getting into a fight with Julie because she's going out and he says, I need you to be home by 11. She says, mom says 1130. And he said, and she already said had said to him earlier in the show when he tries to talk to her about Matt, like, you've been gone for eight months and you think you can have these conversations with me. Yeah. So he says, your absentee father. And that was a poignant moment. I shouldn't just rush over that. Like, that was a pretty poignant moment that really drives home the fact that she's really struggling without her dad. Really, yeah. really struggling. Uh, and also, like, you have to factor in that Julie is, like, 16 years old, has been an only child, and now there's a baby coming to the house. And that's a lot to adjust to as well. So um, they get in a fight and Julie and he says, well, your absentee father wants you home by 11. And basically at the end of it, she's like, yeah, I'm leaving and I'll see you at 1130. Bye. Um, So she and Lois, she's supposed to go meet Matt at a party. She doesn't. She and Lois go to see the Swedes band play. Lois leaves. She stays. And then by the end, she gets her heart broken because the Swedes got a girlfriend. And she did not know about said girlfriend. And she feels humiliated. And she calls her dad to pick her up. It's like 1230. And they have a nice moment in the car. And he says to her, you know, if you don't want to be with Matt, you don't have to be with Matt. And no one's going to love you less for it. And, you know, as far as this guy is concerned, it sounds to me like he's just some guy. And she has that important father-daughter moment. Um, I really like – I love that. I tend to talk to my dad about guy stuff. And it is he's the most helpful. So it was – and there's something about a dad where they just can be in that way. Yeah. And and it's funny because dads are very protective over their daughters, but they also can be such a good sounding board in these kinds of issues. Um, yeah, for sure. So they have this nice moment and, you know, then he he leaves. And But before he leaves, they do for the game, they give them their rings for state champions and he's there for that. And then he leaves at the end and they see him flying away and he can see the stadium. And, and that is where the first episode ends. So a lot happens. Oh my gosh. I forgot the biggest thing. What am I talking about? I somehow forgot the biggest thing. So then Landry and Tyra are watching TV. Oh, so the guy has also, there's another scene where I cannot believe I forgot this. Sometimes I try to block out the storyline. I think that's the problem. There's um, there's another scene where she's driving home and the guy's following her again, the guy that attacked her, and she pulls into the Dillon police station and he drives away. I always watch this episode and I'm like, go in. Go in and tell them what's going on. But she doesn't. And she hears a noise later at home. She calls Landry. He comes. It turns out to be a skunk. Oh, okay. They're watching TV. Landry calls Matt for advice. We're watching TV on the couch. How do I put my arm around her? This whole thing. So they're watching TV. And then Landry like kind of tries to like touch her arm. And she's like, are you hungry? Let's go get food. So they go to a convenience store. Landry goes into the convenience store to get the food because the Colette account is overdue. And while he's in there, the guy comes out um, of the dark and tries to attack Tyra again. Landry comes out. The guy hits Ty- hits Landry. Landry finds a steel pipe and hits him over the head. I mean, ends up 
kill him, hits him with it and kill him. So this becomes now, so this is the point I'm going to back up a little bit. We've talked about this. I've alluded to this before and I talked about last week. This is a point in the show in real time. The show was critically acclaimed and not doing great in the ratings. And this was a point where they tried to have it do better in the ratings. So they created this storyline. I remember when I watched it the first time being like, this is, I wish they didn't do this. As I've rewatched the show, I actually, it works. Like I'm okay with it. Um, But it's a, it's a tough storyline and it's one that they need to end up eventually like getting out of in some way. There has to be resolution to it. Um, But they freak out. Tyra and Landry totally freak out for obvious reasons. And they end up taking his body and they like throw it in a river. And um, that's pretty much where, that storyline yeah. ends for now. It was shocking. I was it's like, shocking. Like, first of all, what a creep. And like, scary creep. Like, scary, mm-hmm. scary. So like, and I get why he hit him with the pipe. Like, I mean, totally. you know, like. <laughs> well, it's total but, self-defense. And it's also like, so I know what you did last summer. And that like, yes. call the police and tell them what happened. Yes. And it was complete self-defense. Like, it wasn't like Landry just decided the guy, he saw him in the grocery store. I mean, he was attacking both of them and he right. didn't know what to do. So there was like total self-defense on this. Um, 100%. I was like, just call the police. Call just your call, dad. call your dad. Your dad, your dad is the police. <laughs> call, you know? like if you, and I'm like, you're going to, you're going to be okay. If you call your dad. And there's actually a line earlier in the show when Landry is, Landry's trying out for the football team and I think it's Matt says to him, either Matt or Tyra says to him, do you really think your dad's going to love you more just because you're on the football team? Um, and Landry says yes, which is kind of funny because you'll see his dad in the coming episodes. Like there's no indication that like the dad right. was any less interested in Landry because he didn't play football. Um, but it's definitely one of those like just call the police, but they yeah. don't. And they instead throw the spotty in the river. And that is um, – where it ends. So it becomes, uh, it's obviously a storyline, which leads to a lot of things. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. After I watched this, I was like, I had a talk with my kids and I'm like, no matter whatever you do, you can always call me. Like, I'm, I really Good wanted though. them to know this. <laughs> but I think that I that's like, important. I uh, yeah. This, like, I whatever. Really, whatever you do. And like, I think this is a situation too where like, Total. And the other thing about it being self-defense is Tyra, because thanks to Landry and thanks to Tammy, she reported the attempted rape. So it wasn't like there's something on record that this guy attacked her. Um, So, you know, there there was that. But yeah, so but they did fully go with I know what you did last summer and just (laughs) went a different direction. And that is where this episode ends. It's, um, it's funny. It's, you know, I, I, we talked a little bit about before, like this season is one where people like the show is amazing, except for season two gets a little weird. But as I rewatching, I'm like, you know what though? Season two is still really good. It's still, it's still really good. So we'll see, but I love that you had that talk with your kids. That's, um, that's (laughs) awesome. Oh my God, how could they think that? And then I was like, okay, I got to tell you, whatever you do, even if you kill somebody, you can always come to me. But I do think that's important. You know what? That's important. It's really, and it's something that like people have asked me before, like about growing up and childhood and all that. And one of the things I've always said, and I, I maybe 
I think it is something that parents, and I'm not a parent yet, so I'm not doling out parenting <laughs> advice, but I am a child of a parent. So something that always has stuck with me my entire life is I've always known and my parents have always let me know, no matter what, they will have my back and they're behind me and I can tell them anything. Yeah. And that I think is a really important thing. And I think it's, it's great that you had not that conversation. Yeah. No, not everybody has that though. Like, and no. I was thinking about just, I, there's times, I think it was just some judgment and growing up that there were things I could not talk to my parents about, you know? So I think that, you know, you have to, it's teaching me a little bit, you know, about mm-hmm. what I had and what I didn't have. And then how I want to be, I guess. It's kind of how I I guess I want to try to be. And, you know, everybody makes mistakes and nobody is the perfect parent. But I was like, geez, like, if anything, that is a, that, that's your resource. That's who you call, you know, that's, those are the moments where it's, that's who you go to. So I think that's true. And, and I think, yes, not everybody has that, but I also think a lot of people maybe have it and don't know they do. So it is great as a parent to reiterate that point to your children. So I think there's, um, there's that side of it as well. So that's where we leave that next week. We episode two week seven football. Uh, will we may or may not have a world series champion by next week. We, I believe if it's still going next Tuesday would be game six. So we'll see how that goes. You guys will, you guys will be able to guess how I'm feeling by what's going on in the world series. We'll we'll have have a party on the podcast. (laughs) Oh, we will. We'll have a podcast party. Woohoo. So hopefully fingers crossed, but we'll see one game at a time. Um, so we have that Steph. Shall we do a little fangirl says who's hot? Who's not? Sure. Let's go. Okay. Um, I am happy to start if you want this time. My who's not is probably not going to be a shock to anybody, but it is the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, wow. That's really all I can say about that. The Dallas Cowboys and maybe specifically defensive coordinator Mike Nolan, maybe, though I think this is a team effort, but that defense is just a complete and total disaster. My who's hot is is going to be, you know what, guys? I'm going to fully homer, and I'm not even going to pick who you think I'm pick, but my who's hot is Jimmy Garoppolo. Way to bounce Aww. back. Way to back, bounce back there, Jimmy G. Uh, and I'll even throw in that 49ers offensive line, but I think uh, he had a great Aww. game, and I think a really important game for him and his career, and I think this was one of those. There was a lot of pressure on his shoulders. I don't think that he necessarily thinks like that, and I think that's more of a fan you know, outside conversation and not necessarily a player conversation or even a, a media conversation, but I think uh, he had a great game and I'm going to give him who's hot. That's awesome. I think that's sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so thanks. Nice. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome, James Richard Garofalo. <laughs> um, yeah. I, so my who's not hot is your coach only because like I felt like, man, he had so many chances to win it. So yeah, he. I. I feel. Do you mean Dave Roberts? Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Because okay. I, felt, I know that that, and this is because I'm I'm basing this on the whole week, you know. So the this whole week, I was like, man, and I I don't really like come down hard on you know if you're you win, but and he wins, and then it could be a moot point, like I said, but. I don't like the way he's coaching. So okay. he's my All right. He's your who's not. Well, we'll see. We'll see where we are next week. And who's your who's hot? 
Um, I am going to go, you know who I really thought had a, I'm going to go with Brett, Jason Brett, because right. he has come back from, um, you know, it's just been tough. And I, and I think he just had a fantastic game and I was just like, wow. And I feel like the 49ers got him on like a Groupon or something. Cause it's <laughs> like, he, he was like, he never even, I was, didn't even know he was that available. And so I'm, I'm just really, really impressed at that. that and I hope he does well. I'm glad. I just love that you threw out Groupon in this podcast. It's amazing. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, all right, Steph. Well, we will see how the next week goes. And I'm going to be taking Groupon with me the rest of the week. Uh, you guys, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. That would be amazing. And follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, all. Bye. Sports opinions with a side of satire. We're the First and Tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First and Tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we We think think we're we're funny funny AF. First and Tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstandtenspodcast.com.